It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. This is episode 37. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for tuning in. Been a few weeks since we've done a football pod and mini camp wrapping up. Training camp, the uh, schedule for camp has been released. It gets going July 27th, uh, just a little over a month away. If you want to go check it out as a fan, remember it's at Hallis Hall now. Bourbon A, uh, no longer the training camp home at the Chicago Bears. Uh, 11 of those practices will be open to the public. Tickets are free. And uh, if you want to check that out, chicagobears.com slash camp. Tickets for fans are free again, and they'll be available July 7th online beginning at 10 a.m. Uh, lots of Bears stuff to get to. I talked with Herb Howard, Chicago Bears beat reporter for the Bigs. Uh, with minicamp wrapping up, we uh, kind of cover all that and then look ahead to training camp and even talk a little bit about week one. What's this offensive line going to look like? Who's going to protect Justin Fields? We get into some of that. Here's episode 37 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Now joining me on the podcast is Herb Howard. He covers the Bears for the Bigs Media. They do a great job covering the Chicago sports scene. Herb's all over the Bears. Herb, appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Kevin, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. How you feeling? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We've got the full training camp schedule uh, just released today, a little over a month away. So this is kind of the summer break for the team, and, and they wrapped up minicamp, and we'll get into some of that too. I, I do just want to get your thoughts on the overall, kind of a loaded question, but the overall offseason for Ryan Poles in his first offseason as general manager um, the draft picks, what they did do, what they didn't do. I've kind of been on record saying I think they should have done more. I understand there are salary cap restrictions, um, but you do, it is a fine line in adding pieces around fields and you know being smart about the, the cap. But for you, Herb, how do you view this offseason for Ryan Poles so far? Um, so far, I, I would give him a, a positive grade. I think that he's done a pretty good job in terms of just sticking to the plan that he had. Now, whether that is the plan that I would have or the plan that, you know, most Bears fans would have, I don't know. But I think that he came in with a plan and he stuck to it. He understood that, you know, they were kind of strapped against the cap and not a lot of space to do a whole lot in free agency. And so they didn't try to overspend there. Um, I thought that, you know, a lot of people obviously wanted some more help at the wide receiver position. I didn't think this particular free agent wide receiver class was that very uh, deep and talented in terms of uh, wanting to go in and overspend. So I think they were wise not to do that. And the draft came around, and people said, well, they, they, they must be uh, about to address wide receiver in the draft. And uh, the draft fell a certain way. They didn't think that they had the value at that position when their pick came around in the second round. And so they went defense with their, ter- with their first two picks. And, again, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily blame them. I think that they just kind of took the thing as it came to them in terms of the draft and in terms of the entire offseason as well. And I think that Brian Poles was fully aware that he wasn't going to take this team from 6-11 and 11 to Super Bowl contender in one offseason. I think that it would have been a mistake for him to try to, for him to try to swing big that way. I think that he's trying to build this thing um, the right way in terms of putting a good, solid foundation in place. And then when the time is right, I'm going to go out and spend on, on big ticket items. And I think that he'll be able to do that 
uh, more so next year than this year. And so, so far this year, again, I, I give him a passing grade. I think that he uh, came in with a plan that he wanted to implement, and he's executed it pretty well. Yeah, I think that's a good way of, of putting it, Herb. As much as I've maybe been a bit uh, critical saying they need to add more around Justin Fields because this season is all about sure. Justin Fields and, and, and other, th- other things, of course, but you want to give Justin Fields some pieces to work with. But as you put it, Credit credit to Ryan Poles, right? He had a vision in how he wanted to approach this offseason, and he stuck with it, as you said. So, for sure, credit there. Um, draft's kind of in the rearview mirror, but I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. What was your thoughts on the draft as a whole? Because it looks like their first two picks are going to be week one starters, and the Bears might have multiple uh, you know, rookie week one starters the way this roster is built right now. And, you know, Brisker and Gordon – um, and who knows, at left tackle, Braxton Jones getting some reps in minicamp. So I guess this rookie class, what did you see from them throughout the offseason and in minicamp? Yeah, they, they better have found two starters with their top <laughs> two picks. I mean, a lot of people were already upset again. They didn't add to the offensive weaponry. And so you go get two guys for the secondary, which also needed a lot of help. Um, but those guys better be starters, not only because you took them where you took them, but simply because you need them. The Bears just need help at those positions in terms of, you know, finding some help on the back end and safety. I think Jaquan Brisk is going to be a guy who should be able to step in and day one be a starter for this team. I think that his, uh, his, his football IQ, his intelligence has been obvious, just kind of watching how he moves around the field, watching how quickly he's able to pick things up, not making the same mistakes twice, but also just his natural ability to find the football. He is a guy who's always going to be around the football. He has a penchant for taking it away, uh, creating formals, getting tip balls in the air. He's a guy who's physical, likes to be down in the box, likes to make plays on running backs, on tight ends. And so I think his skill set specifically is going to complement where Eddie Jackson, at his best, is able to provide. And I think those two should be able to play well off of each other. Eddie Jackson highlighted that um, in his press conference last week, saying, listen, if, if the young kid wants to go down there and play in the box, by all means, let him do that. I can go back and do what I'm most comfortable at in terms of being a ball hawk in the middle of the field. And so I think that Jaquan Brisk is going to be uh, really, really important. And certainly the same thing for Kyler Gordon. He has to be the Bears' number two corner. He, he has to step up and, and take that spot. I think that if he doesn't, uh, it leaves the Bears in a bit of a, a tough spot again going forward into the season. So I think those two guys um, – uh, were really good picks for the Bears at the top of the draft. And I think in the back end, again, I commend Ryan Paul for the way he was able to add draft picks to uh, to that class. I think they came, they came in and they did not have a lot of picks, and he was able to add to those picks, especially what he was able to do on the third day going in with three and then ultimately getting eight picks. And so I think that that was uh, something that they needed to do, just trying to get more competition. And they went and got a lot of offensive linemen, one of whom was practice. Braxton Jones, who you referenced, has been getting a lot of reps with the number ones. And I think that that is, while it is certainly a good thing for Braxton Jones, it is not a good thing to say about Tevin Jenkins that he is, you know, not entrenched with the first unit right now. And I know you're talking about it being early and trying to move guys around and see if some of these guys have some, you know, positional flexibility or versatility. But this is a guy who, you know, at best you would hope could be you know, a, a book in tackle for you for the next decade and for him now to be losing reps to a fifth round pick, that just doesn't bode well. And I don't I don't really care how Matt Eberflu's track is spinning the sound. We're just checking things out. What you should be checking out is whether or not your second round pick from last year is the guy and so far that that doesn't seem to be the case. That's not to say that he won't, you know, ultimately be the starter there, but the fact that he isn't entrenched there already is a bit of a red flag for me in terms of Kevin Jenkins. Now certainly for Braxton Jones, that's a good thing. And it could continue to bode well for this draft, I think they got some intriguing pieces when we look at like Dominic Robinson and what he's able to do in terms of his natural ability to bend and, and speed rush. I think he's a guy who, 
you know, maybe could develop into a pass rush specialist. But I think that he's also a guy that's going to be a core special teams player for the Bears. Just watching his his size and his athletic ability, I think he's going to be a four phase special teams guy for you. And so I think they got some good things done in this in this particular draft class. But again, I think this entire season is just about trying to find some foundational pieces. Can we find our corner? Can we find you know a safety that's going to be here for a while? What can we get solved on this offensive line that can be answers for twenty twenty three this season? The Bears. You know, could be competitive, but they aren't going to be contending for a Super Bowl. And so I think that you look ahead to next year when they'll have more cap space, when they'll have their full allotment of draft picks. It's okay, now can they really begin to make a splash? And I think that's when they'll, you know, begin to get competitive. And then you'll still have two more years of Justin Fields under his rookie contract going into 24 and 25. And I think that is legitimately the Super Bowl window that the Bears are looking at, that 24 and 25 season. And so I think everything this year is just trying to figure out who belongs here. And, and, and some of those things – uh, may be a bit of a painstaking process for Bears fans to watch. I'm glad you mentioned Dominique Robinson. I, I think he's got an incredible skill set, as you mentioned. I can't wait to see what he can do this season and how they do incorporate him into the defense. And as you mentioned, special teams, I can see him playing a big role there. And you also mentioned competition. And, and Ryan Poles had mentioned that in his, his introductory press conference. It appears he's done that, and you've been there watching it. But, you know, a slap on the wrist, they lost an OTA because of too much physicality or contact, however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, when you have yeah. this amount of youth, and you heard uh, a lot of the players talking about it after they did lose that OTA, that – you know, Cody Whitehair, some of the veterans talked about how, like, there's a lot of young guys, so that's going to create competition, which is going to create, you know, probably a little bit more hitting, a little more nastiness on the football field because guys are fighting for a job. So I guess that is something Ryan Poles is trying to create. It appears he has done so. Yeah, I think that, you know, you, you bring in a lot of guys and you have a lot of competition. Now, when you have a lot of competition, that is born out of not having a lot of answers. And so you could spin it. You know, both ways. The competition is good, but it, it, you have so much competition because you don't have a lot of answers right now. Okay. So you're trying to figure out who's going to play where. You look at that wide receiver position, and you don't know what that thing is going to look like. You got Darnell Mooney atop. I don't think most people would tell you that he's probably not a true number one receiver. I really like Darnell Mooney, and I think maybe he could develop into that. But I don't know if the Bears have a true number one receiver right now, and then we'll see how everything shakes out behind him. Secondary the same way, offensive line the same way. And so I think that, you know, there's a lot of competition. And so you're certainly going to have guys that are pushing the line and trying to compete and trying to show that, hey, I belong here and I can make this roster. And I think that this is one of the most open competitions that I've seen on the Bears roster in quite some time in terms of not having, you know, so many guys solidified in spots going into training camp. So I think it'll be a very, very competitive training camp as far as them getting the slap on the wrist. Um, I think it's fine. I, I, I actually think it's, I think it's probably a good thing. If you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. I mean, look at how many you know rules scandals the, the Patriots have been involved in over the past 20 years. I mean, just trying to get an edge however you can. And so when you come in, and you certainly aren't trying to egregiously break the rules or anything like that, but you're trying to push the envelope as much as you can, not only as you know players competing, but as coaches as well. And so you know, I, I don't make too big a deal you know, out of the Bears getting flagged for that. And, you know, uh, I actually probably look forward to the Bears continuing to push the envelope as much as they can. Hopefully it won't cost them you know, anything big in terms of you know uh, fines or draft picks or anything like that. But when you're trying to build something from the foundation, you're certainly going to have to push the envelope just a little bit. So it didn't bother me at all that that happened for the Bears. Yeah, when it comes to this stuff, 
bending the rules a little bit, I don't think, is the worst thing, especially when the Bears are in this current position. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Herb. Uh, If you could predict the week one offensive line, left tackle through right tackle, I know we've got a long way to go, all the training camp, but as it stands here late June and what you've seen in person, if you had to predict the starting offensive line for the Bears, and the offensive line's been a big issue over the past couple years, Herb, as you know, um, how would you predict the offensive line looking week one? Um, I, I start with, you know, we got Patrick is going to be at the center. We, we know that. And we know Whitehair is going to be at left guard. Those are the two things we know. Everything else is kind of up in the air. I feel pretty good about Larry Borum being one of the tackles, probably right the way it's looking right now, although I thought he may get more time on the left side. I think Larry Borum will be one of the five. And then I, I would still bet that Tevin Jenkins ends up being one of the other ta- the other tackles. And so I would I would put those two guys at tackle, Borum and Jenkins, Whitehair, um, Patrick, and then I would go at right guard. That's the biggest question for me right now. We've seen, you know, Sam Mustafer get most of the reps there, but just honestly, I I think he's just a little undersized at right guard. I think he's a little undersized at center. I think he's even more so undersized at right guard. And I don't know if they can enter, you know, week one with him at right guard. And I don't know that they're starting um, – right guard is on the roster right now. It may be a situation similar to what we saw last year with Jason Peters where they find a veteran either off somebody else's roster or off the street kind of late in training camp that may be able to come in and stabilize that right guard position. But if I had to choose somebody off the roster, just going off of uh, the refs that I've seen so far, I would I would go with Sam Mustafer. But I doubt um, that he's going to be the week one starter. And I, if he is, I, I don't know if that bodes very well for the Bears. I don't mean that as a knock on Sam Mustafer. I think he's a, I think he's a really, really uh, smart football player. I think he's a tough guy, but I think he's just undersized at that particular position. And I don't know that the Bears have their starting week one right guard on the roster right now. Yeah, and, and news today, the Bears placing Dakota Dozier on the injured reserve. Sometimes yeah. reported that season ending. So you're down another offensive lineman there. I think I'm with you, Herb. I think at some point, as much as they – are taking a look at some of the younger players and creating that competi- competition. I think the reality will set in eventually, and th- and they're going to look at that offensive line. And at some point in camp, whether it's after cuts or finding a veteran guard, I think they're going to tell a look at themselves and be like, we need at least one more veteran guard here. Um, I know it's a foundational year, but you still got to put out a somewhat decent of a product and protect your potential franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. But I'm, I'm with you for the most part on that offensive line. I do think that they will add somebody uh, eventually here. Let's talk about Justin Fields a little bit. I, I'm huge on Fields. Um, you can't look at the stats necessarily, but you can look at a lot of eye-opening plays from Justin Fields last year. To me, the thing that stands mm-hmm. out, other than his obvious playmaking ability, is the way he throws the ball down the field. And I've brought this up many times, and you look at all the best quarterbacks around the league. You, you name it, uh, whether it's Rodgers or Mahomes or whoever it may be. They can all throw to, throw the ball down the field accurately. Um, yeah. And he made some throws last year, and it's small sample size, but a lot of it was eye-opening stuff, Herb. And some of the throws he made down the field and the way he can make plays and his arm strength, and he can pretty much do everything on the field. I, I am very high on Justin Fields. I think his ceiling is very high. Um, just where you out on Fields, what you saw from him last year, and then what, what did you see from him up close in, in camp throughout this offseason? 
Yeah, I'm right there with you, Kevin. I'm, I'm very high on Justin as well. I think that he has a very, very unique skill set. I think he has the arm talent to make every single throw you need to make. He is accurate down the field. He certainly has the athletic ability to extend the plays and make plays with his legs when things break down or when you design for him to get out of the pocket and do it. Um, I think that he has everything you need to be a successful quarterback. He also has the mental and emotional makeup to, to work at it and to be good and to kind of shut out all the noise. I think he wants to be great. I think he's willing to put the work in. I don't think it's too big for him. Uh, he's played on the biggest stages in college, and I don't think that he's overwhelmed by the task at hand. I think he was put in a tough position last year in terms of coming in. It was declared from the moment they drafted him, Matt Nagy said he's the number two guy. Andy Dalton is going to start. Andy Dalton is going to start. Andy Dalton is going to start. He goes through an entire training camp, Justin Fields, not getting many reps with the number one unit. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's thrust into the starting lineup. And that, that kind of goes back to why I was commending Ryan Poles for what he's done this offseason. He had a plan, and he stuck to it. Now, again, that doesn't have to be everybody else's plan. You don't have to agree with it. But he's the general manager, and he had a plan, and he stuck to it. Matt Nagy was the head coach. He had a plan, and then he allowed all the outside noise to cause him to deviate from his plan, even though he had not prepared to execute this change in plan. He had not put Justin Fields in a position to succeed. So now he's out on the field trying to just figure this thing out. And it's like he's clearly not ready. We all saw him almost get decapitated in the preseason against the Buffalo Bills because he didn't see that blitz come off his right side. He wasn't able to make that check or get the ball out hot. He just wasn't ready. He hadn't had the reps. And then you throw him in there, and it's like, okay, kid, go figure it out. Now, certainly, again, he has the athletic ability to make some things happen with his legs. He has the arm talent to make some amazing throws, and we saw some of those throws. We saw some of those elite-level throws from him last year. Balls where he's able to get it up over the linebacker, down in front of the safety, right down the seam. We saw him get some back-shoulder throws, and he has the elite arm talent, again, to make all the throws, and he certainly has the physical uh, tools to, to make plays when things break down for him. So I think that him having an offseason where he knows he is the number one guy, he is taking all the number one reps, and now he's certainly learning a new system again, second time in two years, that is not ideal. But I think just by the sheer fact that he is going into it understanding that he's the number one guy and getting the reps of the number one guy is going to put him ahead of where he was last year. And I expect him to make a significant jump this year. And quite frankly, the Bears need him to because, as we've been stating, they didn't surround him with a lot of weaponry. And so I think he is going to have to compensate for some of those areas of deficiency in terms of the talent that he has to work with on the outside. I think he's up to the task. I expect a pretty good year from Justin. Yeah, and on top of everything you said, there was an offensive, you know, offensive coaching staff that just refused to adjust anything to help the guy out. I mean, it was just really mm-hmm. a, a a flurry of things around Justin Fields that 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 weren't helping him. He has talked highly about Luke Getzey, the new offensive coordinator. Look, this is the time of year, and you know, Herb, you're in the press conferences. Mm-hmm. Like nobody nobody's going to say a lot of bad things, right? Everybody looks no. great. Everybody's going to be a surprise. We're going to stun everybody. This and that, but. Um, I did like what Fields said. He's like, no, we're not, we're not ready for the season. I mean, I, I think most quarterbacks would say that around the league, but when he was talked about the progress of offense, Fields was not shy to be like, no, we're, we're nowhere clear. Uh, we're not even close to being ready for week one. Um, but, but what else can you say about what Fields has said about his new offensive coordinator? Because last year was just a nightmare with the play calling. And as you said, like the personnel, they didn't add a whole lot. You got to really be relying on the scheme that they're putting in place to help Justin Fields. Yeah, I think the most impressive thing, or the most, um, I guess, positive thing that I've heard so far this offseason did come from Luke Getzey, and it was his his declaration that you know they're going to tailor this offense around what the Bears do well, what their players 
do well. And I think oftentimes you get coaches, you know, who kind of get, you know, caught up in their ego or their scheme. And it's my system. We're going to do things this way. And they try and get their players to do things that way, even if their skill set doesn't necessarily allow for that. And I think that we saw some of that in the previous regime. I, I know, you know, trying to implement the Chiefs offense, that's wonderful. It's a great offense. If you have Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis right. Kelsey, you know, if, then it's fine. But if you don't, then that doesn't mean you can't win football games. It just means you can't win them like that. And I think that you try to you continuously saw them try to win football games in that manner, and it just wasn't going to result uh, in wins for the Bears. I think that Luke gets the understanding that, listen, this team isn't where we want it to be just yet. And so how do we find ways – to remain competitive now? How do we lean on the running game? How do we lean on Justin's ability to extend plays with his legs? Can we get him outside of the pocket? Can we pick up easy first downs? I also like they brought in a fullback, um, a signal that they're going to you know, focus on the running game a little bit more. I think David Montgomery is a really, really good running back. You give him the opportunities, he can be an elite-level running back in this league. And so I think you lean on his ability. I think you you know, do things with the speed that you have on the outside, with Bayless Jones, with Byron Pringle, kind of throw some of those bubble screens, just stay ahead of the chain. And if you can stay ahead of the chains, try and win the time of possession battle by running the football, you know, keeping yourself in third and manageable as opposed to third and long, which we saw so many times. I think that that will allow the Bears to kind of uh, be successful. So I, I really, really like hearing that Luke Gessie isn't coming over here saying, hey, we're going to try and create an exact replica of the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers offense. They're going to create an offense that is going to allow these players to do what they do well. And I think that bodes well for the Bears. It bodes well for Justin. And, and, and it'll bowl well for, for the Bears fans. So as long as they understand that this offense may not be sexy, it doesn't have to be. So they just have to be successful. And I think there is a formula for them to be successful. It involves leaning on their defense. It involves playing good special teams. It involves running the ball, not turning it over. So I think the Bears can be competitive. And I, I think it's very, very a good sign to hear Luke Getsy saying, hey, uh, we're going to do things the way that allows our players to be in the best business to succeed. I'm so happy you mentioned David Montgomery. I feel like he's almost flown under the radar a little bit this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I really – and look, not to dwell too much on the previous regime and the offense, but there it was way too often. And you mentioned falling behind in the chains. Like, David Montgomery would be chucking away, fighting and grinding for every inch on the field. He'd be picking up three yards, four yards, five yards. Next thing you know, there's some wacky play call from Matt Nagy that it's second and long, that it's third and long, and all of a sudden the drive just comes to a screeching halt. I do hope they find a way to just feed the rock to David Montgomery more often. I think that could help Justin Fields a lot and be beneficial to this offense. Yeah, I think so too. I think that outside zone scheme is going to be beneficial to – both of them. I think, it'll, first of all, it'll benefit the offensive lines, understanding, you know, moving together as one, trying to get to that next level, but also just allowing David Montgomery to stretch it out, stretch it out, be patient, and when he finds the gap, just take his foot in the ground and go. We've all seen him kind of take plays that should be a one- and two-yard loss and turn him into a one-, two-, three-, four-yard game. He has that kind of ability to break tackles, to keep his legs churning. I think that if you can get him, you know, um, some space to, to move, he can certainly be a guy – you can count on the, every time you give him the ball, he'll get you four yards. And I think that is critical when you're talking about trying to stay ahead of the chains. And if you can find yourself in second and six, or you can find yourself in third and two, that's really, really good place for you to be in. And now you can kind of stick that ball in there on that outside zone and allow Justin to boot around, and now he can use his athleticism. Now you can get the tight ends in the middle of the field. Now you can get the fullback out in the flat. Doing things like that, just pick up an easy four yards here, easy five yards there. Again, when you got those bubble screens, if you see them back off of, 
you know, Valis and Pringle in the slot, just swing it out there. Let them pick up the quick five and six yards. Just stay ahead of the chains, and those things are going to be really, really good. And I think that David Montgomery has shown an ability that he gets stronger as the game goes on. So if you can kind of stay in the game where you aren't forced to throw the ball the entire fourth quarter, but you can still keep him involved, then you'll start to see him break off, you know, those 12 and 13-yard runs after that defense has gotten tired of leading up on blasting game at fullback and taking on those hits. Tired of trying to take on David Montgomery at the second and third level. And then you'll start to see him break out some of those runs that could be big for you in the fourth quarter. And so I think that he's going to be a critical, critical component to the Bears' offensive success this year. All right, two more questions for you, Herb. First one, was there a player that you saw in, in OTAs or minicamp that stood out that, that maybe many aren't talking about enough? Uh, that's always a good question, but I, I, no. Um, I think that I think they all look good. I mean, we're talking about yeah. world class athletes in shorts and t shirts. You know, they they all look good. Right. Um, I will say that Bayless Jones' his speed translates onto the field. You see a lot of guys who run these four threes, and you wonder, you know, does it translate onto the field? And you can see when he gets the ball in, the, in his hands, he has a different gear. He has a different level of speed. But not only does he have that different level of speed, because we've seen guys that have come through here in the past, you know, few years that have that speed component. This guy's big. Velas is a big, strong kid, and he can take on tacklers. He can not only catch the ball and use the speed, but he can break those tackles. He has the upper body strength and the lower body strength to kind of break those tackles. And I think that he's a guy who's going to be able to take a slant and ultimately maybe take it 70, 80 yards to the house. So he's a guy that can take those bubble screens and create big plays out of them because of his ability to run after the ball is in his hands. I was very, very curious to see when he showed up, does that speed that we saw you know, at the combine, does that translate onto the field? And, and watching it, you know, at first glance, it certainly translates onto the field. The other guy I've been, you know, most impressed with is Jaquan Brisker. Again, just his ability to pick up the defense, his ability uh, to, to communicate with his teammates that shows he has a command of, of exactly what's happening. He's able to call out, you know, some of the checks and get guys lined up properly. He's been very, very impressive to watch. He's also another guy who comes with really, really good size. And though he, they, they are not in pads right now, you can kind of tell, and just certainly watching this college tape, but you can just kind of tell, even watching him out on the practice field, that he arrives with bad intentions. He comes in with the level of violence and, and, and intentions when he shows up. He's coming downhill full speed, and it's going to be very, very interesting to watch him when the pads come on and it's the preseason. I think he's a guy that's going to be really, really good for the Bears this year. So if I had to pick out two of the young guys, at least, I would say that those two have been most impressive. All right, last question. Robert Quinn, will he be a member of the Chicago Bears come regular season, week one, and realistically, how much do you think they could get for him in a trade? Yeah, I think, I think Robert Quinn will be there week one. I'm not, I'm not as concerned about it as some people seem to be. Um, I know red flags when guys don't show up to you know mandatory minicamp, but Robert Quinn is just that kind of guy. He's like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll, let me know when the game starts. I'll be there. I'll take off my sweats and just kind of roll. He just seems to be that kind of guy. I'm sure he's somewhere you know, taking care of his body. He's a veteran. He understands you know, what his body needs to be ready for a full season. I think that he's just getting himself prepared, and I think that when the time is, is right for him, he will be there, and I think he'll be productive. I, I'm looking for him to be somewhere around, you know, 12, 13 sacks this year. I don't think he'll be up around 18, 19 again. But if you can get, you know, 12 out of him, that would be really, really good. I, I don't know how much they can get for him on the open on the on the trade market right now. I don't I don't know that they can go about and get like a second round pick like you got for Khalil. Now if somebody calls and says, Hey, we got a second round pick for you, that's certainly something you gotta go ahead and entertain. Again, this is not a season where I expect the Bears to be competing for a Super Bowl. And so if you can add to your prospects of the future and get a twenty twenty three second round pick, and that's something that's certainly something that you have to be 
uh, willing to entertain. But I think that ultimately that's probably not going to be what they're able to command for him in the trade market. And so I think that he'll probably be with the Bears this year. And I think that'll be a good thing for him. I think they have to be able to create some pass rush with their front four. And I think that, you know, uh, Robert Quinn certainly gives them the best opportunity to do that. And I'm also excited to see uh, Travis Gibson's development this year. He's Herb Howard, covers the Bears for the Bigs, does a great job doing it. Herb, uh, really appreciate the time. We'll check in again uh, when training camp gets going, a little over a, a month away. Thanks for the time, Herb. Kevin, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. All right, that was episode 37 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thanks again to Herb for jumping on. Thanks to Ernie Scatton and Brian Alzheimer for their help producing the podcast. And thank you for listening little over a month away until training camp. We're inching closer and closer to football season, and I cannot wait. I'm Kevin Powell. This was episode 37 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.